Jesus. It is the sweetest name we will ever know. Jesus, in you, the thirst in our souls, stop. You bring satisfaction to us in ways that are beyond our understanding. It is in you we live and move and have our being. (laughs) It is in you that we are set free. We can experience the love of God. Lord, you are speaking this morning. Help me not to mess that up, Lord. Have your way. In your name, amen. He could not plan it any better than that. I just, I can't believe that. I I can't believe that. (laughs) God speaks to his people. He does. He speaks to us. He speaks through us. Now, last week, we concluded our series called Q&A. Next week, we start our next series, which is a long one. It's going to be an eight-week series, and that doesn't start till next week. And so today is one of those one-off Sundays, uh, and I love these Sundays because there's times where I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to say? Now, don't get me wrong. The series are great. Uh, it's very helpful because generally, I, I know what I'm going to say in the next three, four, five six weeks. I, I know the topic. I know the scripture verse. It's, it's all there. But on, on Sundays like today, it's like, all right, what do you want me to say, Lord? And it can be very uh, difficult because during the week, it's like, what do you want me to say? Tuesday goes by, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, man, what do you want me to say, Lord? And uh, the Lord led me to the story of Joseph. Isn't that amazing? I'm just, wow, how he ties things together. It's just phenomenal. So with, there's no PowerPoint. I have a few notes, but generally I'm going to just be speaking from my heart, and I hope that's okay. Um, but yeah, let me tell you how I got to uh, the book of Joseph and how I got to this place of reading this story in Genesis 37. I think it was Billy Graham that once said that a Christian should hold a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other hand. And I remember hearing that from a young age and thinking, or not young age, but like many years ago, because, you know, I've always wanted, I'd like, well, not always, but the, the time where I knew God, has called, God had called me to the ministry, uh, that spoke very loud to me, and I, and I always kept that in mind, to have a Bible in one hand, newspaper in the other. In other words, be proficient in God's word and in the affairs of the world, what's going on in the world. And so, you know, I really took that to heart. And lately, you know, being Korean, I'm Korean, uh, just hearing on the news the state of Korea right now, it's very, it's, it's rocky. It's very it's scary, actually. You know, my family lives there. My entire father's side of the family, they're all there, including my grandparents. They're there. And so when you hear about uh, potential war, uh, it's scary, especially for uh, Koreans who have family over there. And so I've been watching the news and, and reading what's going on. And I mean, there's just so much unrest. And it's not just in South Korea and North Korea. It's, it's, it's all over the world right now. And it just doesn't seem to be slowing down. It seems to be picking up and spreading. 
You know, reading about the, the migrant problem right now in, in Europe, it's just unreal. And just, I mean, my kids, they can go outside and play. play on the street. They don't even have to worry about playing on the street. There's no fear of anything. They're just, we have so much freedom here. And yet in the world, there's just so much going on. And uh, I was just thinking, man, Lord, there's got to be an answer. There's got to be an answer to this. And, and I was also reading about uh, different things that are happening in the church. And even in the church in North America, it's not looking good. I mean, for many years now, we've known that the church is in decline. Churches are closing their doors daily, uh, every week. And we hear about leaders who fall. And with the latest thing that happened, those of you who've heard of this website called Ashley Madison, it's kind of a strange website, a website that promotes adultery. And their, their, their phrase is like, life is short, have an affair. It's like, what? And yet, um, there, are, there were Christian pastors uh, on that list that was leaked out to the public. And I remember thinking, man, what's going on? Now, saying that, I'm not placing a judgment on them. Please don't hear me making a judgment on them. I've got issues, too. I struggle with sin just as much as anyone else. James Park struggles with anger. I have, I struggle with sin. And I understand that these pastors who were caught in this lifestyle, they, they struggled with sin. And so I'm not judging them. I'm just saying that it's just a sad state we're in. And it was in that moment, I was like, God, you have to have an answer. There's got to be something. And he led me to the story of Joseph. Now, there are a few ways you can approach the scriptures, right? Typically, when we read the scripture, we read it for information, we read it to try to dissect and discover what it's saying. And so we use the grammatical, historical, cultural context uh, when we read the scriptures. We want to, some of us, we dive in and, you know, check out, well, what does that say in the Hebrew? What does it mean in Greek? What does it mean, what did it mean when Jesus said it? And we, we, we try to find meanings of the text that way. And that's great. And actually, it's very important that we read the scriptures that way. It helps us to interpret the scriptures better. Okay, so it's important. But there's another way that we approach the scriptures, and this is a way for centuries how people approach the scriptures. When people read or, for the most part, heard God's word, because for, for, for many centuries people heard the word of God being read, people read and heard the word of God as God speaking directly to them through the text. Now, Dallas Willard, if you've ever heard of a man named Dallas Willard, um, he's one of, I mean, he's the late Dallas Willard. He passed away a few years ago. He wrote a book called Hearing God, Developing a Conversational Relationship with God. Fantastic book. Um, If you get a chance, Google Dallas Willard. Uh, He was probably one of the, uh, probably one of the greatest uh, writers of Christian spiritual formation ever. Uh, just phenomenal, his writings. Um, he wrote in this book that uh, when you approach the scriptures, 
uh, approach it in a way where God is speaking directly to you. And he used an ancient practice called Lectio Divina. And uh, Lectio Divina is uh, a practice that was around the church for many years. And, and basically, it's approaching the scriptures with four steps, okay? The first step is to read it. And so, for instance, the, the phrase, be still and know that I am God, right? So you, you look at the text, you read it. Be still and know that I am God. The second step is to meditate on it. Now, to meditate on the text, it's not to try to discover, well, what does that mean in Hebrew? Or, uh, you know, trying to discover the meaning, but rather just letting it sit in your mind. And and it's like you're munching on it, right? Because the Word of God is like the bread of life. You're just letting it kind of soak in. Be still and know that I'm God. And then you emphasize different parts. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And so you just meditate on the the passage. And the third step is to pray. Either pray the passage or pray about the passage. Lord, help me to be still and know that you are God. God, show me how to be still and know that you are God. And then the final step is to contemplate. And this is where you're with the text and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you out of the text. The Holy Spirit may tell you, don't worry about this certain circumstance in your life. I am with you. Be still and know that I am God over this situation in your life. Okay, so and that's basically called uh, Lexio Divina. Now, I was doing that with this story, though, not just one verse. It was an entire story uh, in Genesis 37. It goes all the way to Genesis 50. And so I was reading this entire story of Joseph, and as I was reading it, I, I found that the overarching theme of this story is the favor of God. The favor of God. And and I I couldn't get away from that. I was like, wow, it's just talking about God's favor in someone's life. Now, interestingly enough, in our Wednesday evening prayer, um, during that prayer time, the Lord began to uh, show me things from the story of Joseph to pray over people at the prayer meeting. And um, it happened to have that theme of the favor of God during our prayer meeting. And I realized, okay, Lord, maybe you are wanting me to say something about this, but I need you to show me more. And so that was interesting. And then even this morning, just with that, how the Holy Spirit brings that together is just phenomenal. And so today I want to share with you what the Lord has been saying to me about the story of Joseph. Now I'll just share with you what the story of Joseph is. Joseph was one of the sons of Jacob. Uh, he was the favored son. And, uh, you know, Jacob gave his son Joseph a nice robe of many colors. And all his brothers saw this and they're like, what's that all about? And they were not happy about that. They were, in fact, very jealous of that. And then on top of that, Joseph has uh, two dreams. And in those dreams, he's saying, look, I had this dream and all of you were bowing down to me, man. And so the brothers are like, what? What are you talking about? We're not going to bow down to you. And so they hated him even more. One day his brothers are out 
with their herds. And Joseph goes out to meet with them, and the brothers see Joseph coming in the distance. They're like, you know know what? Let's kill him. They actually had that thought in their mind. Let's kill our brother. But one of the brothers, Reuben, was like, you know what? No, let's not kill him. Let's uh, throw him into a pit. And so when Joseph got there, they took his robe, they threw him into a pit. And then they suddenly see a caravan of Ishmaelites coming, and they're like, you know what? Let's sell him as a slave. Now in those days... Typically, slaves were people who were captured in war. And once you became a slave, rarely, if ever, would you ever go free again. I mean, it was the worst thing that could happen to a human being. Pretty much, it was. And so here's Joseph. He gets sold to the Ishmaelites as a slave. He gets taken to Egypt. And in Egypt, he is bought by a man named Potiphar, uh, uh, one of the high-ranking officials in, in Egypt. Now, while he was at Potiphar's house, Potiphar noticed something about Joseph. Hey, whatever this guy does, it goes right. You know what? I'm going to put you in charge of all my stuff. And so Joseph is uh, in charge of things, and he happened to also be handsome. And Potiphar's wife, well, she caught a glimpse of this guy and was like, whoa, I want some of Joseph. You know what I'm saying? And so she starts to try and... uh, seduced Joseph to, to, to being with her. And Joseph, this is phenomenal, he was like, you know, no, I can't do this to God. His answer was, I can't do this to God. Now one day, Potiphar was, Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him again. She grabbed his cloak and he just ran. He fleed. Really right there is the answer to sexual temptation, folks. Flee! Run! And so Joseph did that. He ran. But Potiphar's wife takes the coat and tells Potiphar, hey, this servant of yours, you know, she lied and said, he tried to to rape me. And so Joseph gets thrown into prison, falsely accused. Man, what a rough go. First he was purchased, he was sold as a slave. Now he's stabbed in the back for a brutal crime that he didn't commit. Now he's in jail. Now when he's in jail, the jailers are like, hey, there's something about this guy. And so they put him in charge of all the prisoners. And two of those prisoners were people who were directly connected with Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt. A cupbearer and a baker. I don't know what they did, but man, they got landed in jail. Maybe they tried to poison Pharaoh. I don't know. Right? So they're in jail and... A lot of time goes by and these, these people, the cupbearer and the baker, have, have dreams each and they're disturbed by the dream. They come to Joseph, they tell Joseph about these dreams and Joseph interprets the dreams. He's like, this is what it means. To the cupbearer, he said, listen, you're going to be restored in three days. You're going to be giving Pharaoh his cup of wine again. But to the baker, he said, dude, you're done. You're not going to live after three days and that came to pass. And he said to the cupbearer, he's like, listen, when you get free, please tell Pharaoh about me. But the cupbearer forgot and more time went by. A couple years go by and he's still in prison. Finally, Pharaoh has a dream and it's very disturbing to him. And he needs to know this interpretation. And the cupbearer is like, oh, light bulb, oh yeah. 
There's this guy I met in jail. He remembered a dream I had. I could maybe ask him to interpret your dream, Pharaoh. He's like, yeah, yeah, go get him, go get him. And so then he brings Joseph to Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him this dream. There were seven cows that were big and healthy looking. And then all of a sudden, seven ugly thin cows come out and they eat up the the fat cows. What's that all about? And then there's these seven grains of wheat and they look healthy. And then seven dry, yucky looking ones. And the yucky looking ones eat the good ones. What's that all about? And Joseph interprets the dream and says, look, you're going to go through seven years of prosperity. But then right after that, you're going to go through seven years of famine. And it's going to be brutal. I suggest you get ready for that famine. And Pharaoh says, you are wise. I will put you in charge of that. And suddenly Joseph gets shot, put it right to the second in command in the Egyptian empire. Just like that. From there, he was able, during the famine, feed his family. His brothers come back to buy the grain They're reunited and they're even brought to safety because of Joseph. As I was reading that story, I realized there was something about Joseph. It was God behind the scenes working for Joseph in ways that he could not have seen, in ways that he could not have predicted. There's no way. Yet God moved and worked in his life. Even in the midst of trial, struggle, suffering, God was there behind the scenes. That is the favor of God. So as I was munching on this passage, what are you saying, Lord? This is what came to me last night at the 11th hour. This is what came to me. You see, in the Old Testament, there's only a select few people who had the favor of God on their lives, where God worked in divinely amazing ways in their lives. There's only a few people. For us who are in Christ Jesus... The divine favor of God is in our lives. You see, in the Old Testament, those people who had the favor of God, God was in their lives. God was working through their lives, like Joseph. The Christian is one where the Holy Spirit dwells with us and is in us. The favor of God is all around us. God is with us. That is what Emmanuel means. God with us. The favor of God is in our lives. We have something that the world doesn't have. Divine favor with God. Now there are some in the church that would tell you that this is what divine favor looks like. Divine favor looks like prosperity and perfect health. Okay, so God's people, because we have the divine favor in our lives, we should be rich and we should be healthy, no sickness. And this is being preached and proclaimed. Now, I don't 
totally disagree with the prosperity preachers. Not totally. Because the divine favor in our lives does look like that. At times it does look like that. God does bless us in material blessings. God does bless us with health, healing. It happens. I can't tell you how many times that's happened in our lives, in Ali and my life. There are times when we had no idea how we were going to pay rent. God would use someone to stick money on our, ta- on our door, front door. This happens several times. People saying, you know, I just sense the Lord saying, give you this. A thousand bucks. What? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Groceries. In times of need, God has provided in phenomenal ways. So yes, God's favor looks like that, for sure. At times it does. Health? Yeah. 2014 for our family was, was hard. It was very hard, especially for my wife. Most of you know that she went through uh, a very tough molar pregnancy. We were expecting our fourth child. It turned out to be a molar pregnancy. And then it turned out to be almost like cancer. Turned into, they were treating it like cancer. And she went through chemotherapy and just all sorts of hardship. But God was there. I mean, even through the chemotherapy, uh, her, like her health was fine. She wasn't tired and wasn't, that was the divine favor of God. Because we see others, I, I, I don't wish that upon anyone. But it's not easy to go through that. But for some reason, the Lord was with my wife. And today she's clear, clean bill of health. We give praise to God for that. So yes, God does, in his favor, bless us materially and in health. But that's not the marker of divine favor. Because there are those, even in this church, even now, I mean in prayer we talked about this, where we go through struggles. We go through struggles financially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. My message to you is that God's divine favor is, still, is in your life. It's in your life. God is working behind the scenes in ways that we don't see. And just like it happened to Joseph, there is going to come a time when all of that will come together and we'll begin to see the fruit of God's work in our lives. We will see it. We will see it. And so this is what I believe the Lord is saying to individuals and to the church as a whole. There might be some of us here this morning that have gone through some hardship, in particular, that involves another person that has wronged you. And, and, and there's constant source of hardship in your life. It might be a family member, it might be someone close, but it's just a struggle. And you've been struggling for a while. 
Joseph had this problem with his own family, with his own brothers who wanted him to die. They were going to kill him. Genesis 50.20, I want you to remember these words. What you, this is Joseph talking to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now, I'm going to take a step back for a second. A lot of people, when we read that text, we say, oh, you know what that means? What Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. And we say that, you know, meaning well, but that's not what the text is saying. When we go through certain struggles in this life, when Satan has, wreaks havoc, God doesn't will for that to happen. God doesn't will for the tragedies that we see. When we see young people being killed, raped, used in unspeakable... God doesn't will that. And so we need to be careful when we use this text. The context is Joseph's brothers, what they meant for evil, God meant for good. In other words, Joseph's brothers, they made a choice and they sided with sin. We have the ability to choose God's way or our own way. They chose to do the wrong thing. Yet, God redeemed that. That's what that's talking about. There might be some of you here this morning and you're struggling because of someone in your life or people in your life. Listen, this is a word for you. What they mean for evil, God means for good. He's redeeming things even now in your life. You don't see it, but in time you will see what he is doing in your life, what things he's wanting to take out from the inside to heal you and set you free. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. God came to set the captives free. Jesus came to set the captives free, to heal broken hearts. So I want to encourage you. Look to God. He is your strength. Don't let the enemy sap you of your strength. God is your strength. Some of you here, someone here, you may have toiled at something for a long time. It's like you've, you've placed your hand on the plow and you started working at something, something you sense God had called you to do, and you're plowing. And plowing is hard work. It's hard work. There's rocks and stones and heavy things in the ground. You're like, man. And for years, you've been doing this, and it's like, I'm still in the plowing phase. What's going on? What are you doing, Lord? Are you even there? I have a word for you. God has been planting seeds behind you. You didn't even know that while you're plowing, he's there plow- planting the seeds. 
And you may not have seen that, but the fruit of God's labor in your life will come to pass. You see, God's timing is not our timing. I wish it was. Things would happen faster sometimes. But But God has his way and his timing for a reason. To develop patience, perseverance in our lives. God is working behind the scenes. That's my word for you. Someone here may be thinking, you know, others keep getting promotions. There's all these people around me. They're getting promoted. They're being favored. They have all this in their life. And what about me? What about me? Again, you're thinking, man, People aren't noticing what I do. My word for you is this. God notices. God notices. He sees what you do. And in due time, the fruit will come. Again, it's His timing. Trust Him. Some of you here, you have a vision. It was a vision that was spoken over you of what God was going to do in your life a vision or a dream that you've had that you were certain God gave you this. And yet it's like, where where are you, God? You're wanting me to do this and I have nothing. And at times you wonder, man, was that vision even from God? My word for you is this, it was from God. It was from God. Don't let your circumstances tell you that it isn't from God. Your circumstances are for your preparation. They are not your destination. Your circumstances right now are for your preparation. They are not your destination. And now, a word for the church. This is not just Trinity Church. This is for the the body of Christ. Again, like I mentioned earlier, that there are reports of the church in decline, and it's been going on for many years now. Again, churches have been closing their doors, and it's becoming increasingly difficult to reach this generation for Jesus. Jesus is a swear word. Jesus is a hate word. It's a hate crime to be Christian. It's a very difficult time for the church right now. My word for the church is this. Isaiah chapter 60 says this. Isaiah 60 says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness, the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising God is going to move in an unprecedented way. We are going to see it. The greatest revival in human history 
God is preparing things behind the scenes. It looks impossible. It looks impossible. There's so many things, tripwires that the enemy has laid for the Christian message to go further. So many things. But God's working behind the scenes. He's preparing things now. And he is about to shake everything that can be shaken. But the kingdom of God is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that is the kingdom we are a part of. And so my word is a word of encouragement that God is about to release his spirit for another great awakening. And though it may not look like it, the favor of God is on the church. And Jesus will be glorified. The book of Acts will come alive again. I want to end with this prayer. And I'm praying in the first person, like I'm, I'm praying because I, I am praying this prayer, but I'm praying it for all of us here as well. So let's pray. Join me as I pray. Lord, you alone are God. You alone are God. There is no other. In you I put my trust. In you I put my hope. You work in ways that are beyond my understanding, God. Lord, in the midst of all that is going on in my life, the hardships that I face on a daily basis, the hurt that I hold on to, the fear that grips me in ways that prevents me from walking out my destiny, Lord, I trust you that you are God over all those areas in my life. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I feel, fear no evil, for you are with me. God, you are working behind the scenes. You are working in the depths of my heart, in those areas that have been hurt from past wounds. Even now, by your Holy Spirit, you are healing those wounds. You are setting me free. Though the circumstances may not seem like it, you are preparing things for me so that I can be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And Lord, the church is groaning together with all creation for your coming. We eagerly wait and anticipate the move of your spirit to call your people home, to set the captives free, to release the kingdom of God in greater measure. Though darkness covers the earth, thick darkness the people of the earth, Lord, your glory will arise and be seen in the church. We are about to enter the greatest time in the history of your church, the time when your name will be praised and exalted as Lord from every tribe, tongue, and nation. You are coming soon and we wait for you. We long for you. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. This is our prayer, Lord. This is my prayer. We trust you. We know you are working in ways that we can't see. We trust in your promises that the good work that you began in each and every one of us here this morning, the good work you began will be completed. You will complete until the day of Christ. You call us to set our hearts and our minds upon you. To not be swayed by the things of this earth, but to look to you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The one who brings peace in the storms of life. So Lord, we look to you now in the midst of what's going on and trust that you are working. We love you, Lord. You are king in this church, in our lives, in this world. And it is in your name we pray. And all God's people said,
Amen. Amen. Sorry, I kept you so late. <laughs>